We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drug drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. Message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. So the LA Rams will be the number two seed. They finish 13 and 3, a 13 win season for the third time in franchise history. I've been dreaming this my whole life. This don't have you. It's time to put in the work. Every man go dominate. Offense, defense, special teams. Let's go. What are we talking about? Greg Zerline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Hey, 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 welcome to Rams Talk Radio. It's your host, Eric C. Paul, my co-host, Tommy Avance. It is time for that preview podcast. That's right, the 49ers have come to town, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers. I think it's a big game, Tommy. I don't know what you think. I think it's a big game. It's a huge game. Are you kidding me? The NFC West, for the first time in a long time, is competitive again. We have three teams that are fighting for first place, and then, then of course, we have the Arizona Cardinals um, by default. But it's uh, 
you know, last Thursday we already had a nail biter in the division and came up on the short side. Uh, we can't do that two games in a row, and we cannot lose three games in a row. Well, you can't. This is huge. Yeah, you can't fall behind now. You go three and three, Niners will be five and all of a sudden you're two and a half games out of the division race, and you're pretty much done at that point. You're done. You you have to hope the Fortnite completely collapse on the line, that the Seahawks collapse. To me, that makes this game a must win for the Rams if they're gonna stay in the division race. And if they lose, all of a sudden they're a third seed in the NFC West, let alone the NFC period. That's a problem. Yes. That's, That's a problem. A problem. Down the line, the NFC is just too good. And what I mean by too good, I'm not saying in terms of great teams. I'm talking about in terms of playoff quality teams. It becomes a crapshoot if the Rams are going to try and get in as a wild card with two teams ahead of them in the NFC West. Too tough a division. Yeah, our conference alone is is tough. There's you know 16 teams in each conference, and the AFC can't even hold the NFC's jockstrap, in my opinion. I mean, you got the Patriots and a couple other teams, and then the rest, right? Um, the Patriots, the Chiefs. I guess you could say the Colts, the way the Colts just beat the Chiefs last weekend. Yeah, the Anybody Colts else? and the Chargers. Yeah, the Chargers are competitive. You know, they're always up and down. They're inconsistent, but they have, you know, two years in a row, won 11-plus games. So they're competitive as well. But once the playoffs starts, it's usually they beat each other up, and whoever has to face New England ends up losing. And New England has the number one defense in the NFL right now, so... When they have a good defense, you might as well just chalk it up. They're just one of those teams right now like they were in 07. I know Eli and the Giants got them and caught them slipping, but, man, are they good. They're good, but they're also playing a crappy schedule. I mean, they're not really playing anybody. I don't care about that. They're the number one defense in the league, and they have Tom Brady schedule. Yeah, so they're winning by 40 points instead of seven. All I'm saying is they really haven't <laughs> been challenged too much yet. Now, it would be different to see what happens in the line when they're getting challenged a little bit. They have. Now, they got challenged by Buffalo. They barely beat them by six. Yeah, and you Division know what? rival and Buffalo's 4-1. and one. Yeah, but that, that Buffalo being 4-1 and one's an ugly 4-1. and one. It's, it's a yeah. very ugly. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll take 4-1, and one and, and they should take 4-1. and one. I'm just saying it, it's not pretty in Buffalo. Buffalo's better days are ahead of them. That's a talented team that's young, up and coming. But they're 4-1. and one. On grit and also a fairly weak schedule, too. We'll yeah. see. But, but W's a W, right? W's a W. Meanwhile, the NFC West, it's just everybody killing each other. Except for the Cardinals. Yep. Yeah. Who, by the way, don't look all that bad. I mean, they're not good, but there's definitely, they're, they're better than last year. The whole division got better. Yeah. I you're agree. not, you're not going to walk over the Cardinals this year like they did last year. No, I mean, you got teams like, especially the 49ers, you know, I watch them closely. I always have. They're in our division, and I have two family members that are 49er fans, so we've been going at it for decades. And so I always have my pulse on that team, so to speak. And they've been good for years. Their problem is is their training staff is crap, and that's why their head trainer got fired in the offseason. It was about time because they, they can't stay healthy. I mean, it's an epidemic. The Chargers are the same way. They've been that way for years. I don't know who their training staff is, but they all need to be fired as well. I mean, it's unreal. The Rams have been other up until now, you know, since Sean McVay's been in the league. And even, you know, the latter years of Jeff Fisher, the Rams were one of the healthiest teams every year in the league lately. And it shows, you know, you're only as good as your starting 22. And if your backups 
play like backups, then your record will be four and twelve. You know, and that's what the Niners were last year. They're they're a team that has a really really good starting twenty two if they could stay on the field. They just lost their right tackle today, so now they're without their left tackle and their right tackle for Sunday. Yeah, it, it, it's amazing for the rest of the team. They're fairly healthy, but you get to those tackles, which I know we'll ask John Chapman about later on. That's going to be a problem, I think, in terms of overall how are you going to defend against, well, Aaron Donald. How are you going to deal with Aaron Donald, two busted tackles, but if they can establish a running game, just like we're talking about for the Rams, then you won't have to worry about Aaron Donald as much with the pass rush because we run the football. Yeah, so, I'm looking forward to seeing some fresh faces too. It will be it, just the rivalry, man. I'm glad to see that this rivalry is back. I think it's back, anyways. We'll find out. But it is. It's back. It's absolutely you know, back. It was. Wow, geez, it was once. 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 Just. It was one of the best in the league. I know the Redskins, Cowboys folks will say, yeah, 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 and you know Steelers, Browns, and all those yesteryear rivalries. But there was a time from the '70s in the '80s that this was the rivalry out west, Rams and, and 49ers. The blood mm-hmm. involved there was pretty deep. Some of the great games of NFC history have been between the Rams and 49ers. And some of my, my best memories of watching the Rams play have been with the, with the 49ers. Unfortunately, some of my worst memories. You know that whole 17-game losing streak. Oh, dude. Uh, <laughs> yeah, 48 nothing on Sunday night in 1987. Uh, some ugly ones. Some really, really ugly ones, but some good ones, too. 4220 4120 was it 41 40 whatever it was 4220 uh Rams in 1999 pretty much shows they are legit and the 49ers weren't and that's been that's been the measuring stick if, if you know if you're a Rams fan and you want to know if the Rams are any good how do they play the 49ers yeah and and everyone wants to go back and look at history but look at history right you know teams there's a reason why teams um you know, show longevity as far as winning is concerned. So the 49ers went from Joe Montana to Steve Young, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, the the Packers went from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. So there's a consistency of hitting, you know, in a row, right? Two quarterbacks that you can stretch out a competitive timeline over a decade plus, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have a quarterback, and, and those two examples prove it. You know, Tom Brady's been the quarterback for almost 20 years now in, in New England, and look at their consistency. It's important, you know, to stay consistent, and if it isn't broke completely, don't fix it, don't panic. These franchises that go around firing coaches every three years, there's a reason why they stink. They don't trust nobody, not even themselves, you know. Look at the Redskins. They're a dumpster fire for the last 25 years. It's a weird conundrum, though, because sometimes you think, well, let's be patient. Let's give Jeff Fisher five years. You know, and Jeff Fisher doesn't really make it all the way through. He should have probably been canned way before he was. But then on the flip side of it, you want to give coaches the opportunity. I think, to me, the key the key break in showing that you give coaches a chance was was Bill Cowher with the Steelers. He came in there right away, won, then had a couple of down seasons, won, had a, had a down season here and there. You look at the Steelers now. Mike Tomlin stays, has a down season here and there. The Steelers will be fine. The Steelers will always seem to figure it out. Be consistent. So let's say Sean McVay this year, things just struggle. Say, say, the, say the wheels fall off for various injuries, um, you know, 
his youth catch up to him a little bit. Do you just cut bait with the guy who's been no nope. brilliant this far? No. Sometimes you got to take a pie in the face. You know what I mean? Sometimes in life, stuff isn't going to go your way. You're not always going to make the right decisions. You're not always going to be perfect. You're not always going to be right. It's okay. It's okay. We're human. But to even consider, you know, getting rid of him, even if we didn't make the playoffs this year, is insane, in my opinion. Well, I mean, and they won't. I mean, it's. No, no, we all know they won't, but we're talking about the sky is falling fans. You know, sure, we sure. all know how they are. But that's the thing is, there there will always be those guys who think, you know, hey, why, how dare you criticize McVay, blah, blah, blah. No, we're gonna, when he messes up, we need to say he messed up. At least we think he messed up. When I he criticize does great, him all the time, man. Yeah, Just because yeah. he's the head coach of an NFL team doesn't make him perfect. Okay, he does some really dumb stuff all the time, like throw timeouts in the garbage Every game, like Mark Martz used to. So, listen, he'll learn. He'll learn. Trust me. It's just a matter of being human. It's easy for you and I to go watch a game, pick apart, you know, a problem. But he's, we'll but yeah, he's, but I know he's living I know it, you know? what he's going through. Yeah, he's yeah, on the sure. field, and you see the anxiety in his face, and he's a very high-motor, passionate guy. So when you're full of piss and vinegar down there, and you're running around, and go, you're going to make a mistake. It just he'll He's young. He'll calm down. Let's just be patient with him, you know? And that's what you got to do. And same thing for 49ers. Their patience now seems to be it's cashing in. They're paying it off because he is – Kyle Shanahan is doing the job out there. He, they built the team that I've been saying this now for two years, if you've been, if you've been listening. I've been saying the 49ers are building a team designed to beat the Rams. Absolutely. And that's what they have now. They have a team that can grind you on offense, and they got a team that can go at your quarterback on defense, and that's what you need to stop the Rams. If you can stop the Rams passing game right now with all those weapons, if you can get the Jared Goff, everybody in their brother knows if you get the Jared Goff, your chance to beat the Rams go way high real quickly, and that's what they're built to do. That's what we're going to be talking with John Chapman about later on for Niners Rush. Before we do, want to ask you just to stay with us here. Follow us. On SoundCloud, Spotify, Spreaker, on Apple Music. That's the big one, Apple Music. That is the place where the five-star review really helps us out. Don't forget our other shows on the network, Rams Uncensored, Butting Heads, Rampant Radio, and Rams Brothers. And, yes, we still have the contest underway. And, folks, it's starting to pick up here. We're starting to see it all happen. We love your feedback. A five-star review on Apple Music Gets one lucky winner, a personalized replica jersey from NFLShot.com, hopefully for a Rams jersey, by the way. Okay, and this is how it works. Go to Apple Music. Leave a five-star review. Send us an email at Rams1945 with a copy of your entry. A screenshot, basically. And we'll, A, we'll read your feedback on the show. And we'll also know who to enter, who to reward. Okay? And Finally, as we move on here to the rest of the conversation, I want to remind you that this episode is sponsored by Jim Hawkins, book Hollywood's team. Great book. We'll talk about more later. So, also, we got a little bit of something going on this weekend. Rams Uncensored has had a, uh, well, Tommy, how do, I, how do I say this? A casualty? By like, choice. Yeah. By, <laughs> by choice. Okay. So, choice. Matt Herrera has moved on to focus on his career at UCLA. So, he is gone. And now Tommy's taken over as the the lead host for Rams and Centers, co host Brian Jawanu and Mark Lahan. What they're doing this weekend, though, is special. They're not going to have a show on Friday night. We'll, we'll go ahead and we'll slot in. Rampage Radio will be there Friday nights from now on. Um, but this, this weekend, at the game, at the tailgate, 
Go look for them. Rams and Central will be there broadcasting from the tailgates. You'll see them at Rams Empire, RWO, World Tour Rams, Diehards, Cohill Valley, and, of course, SoCal Rams. So go check these guys out. They're going to do the best they can to annoy random 49er fans. Okay? That would be great. Some of some on-air failures. And also, hopefully provide some riveting material. You'll find this weekend, this I'm saying this weekend, this Sunday, 9.30 Pacific Time to 11.30 Pacific Time. You don't want to miss it. And it's our normal weekly spot. We'll go for Rams and Center. They're moving to a Monday pregame show in the future. Okay? Anything else you want to put in that? That's your, that's your baby now. That's the uh, Rams and Center is uh, moving forward with some, some gusto here. Uh, yeah, I just used the word gusto. Yeah, in the... You know, we're going live. Let's just say that we're going live moving forward. It's going to be a live show. We're going to start doing things differently. I hope you guys enjoy the direction that we're moving in, but I think everyone will appreciate it for sure. So all that in mind, it's a big, big week for us to do that. Look for us to continue become more and more of a presence at Rams games. We want to get your thoughts, your opinions on the team and of course on our work. So Keep following us at Rams Talk, your talk Rams. Follow Rams Uncensored at Rams Uncensored on Twitter. Okay, the game this weekend, the big key matchups. I think you and I know this right away. The trenches, offensive line versus defensive line, especially for the 49ers pass rush. Will the Rams front seven show up? Okay, play calling. This is big, right? What can Sean McVay and Wade Phillips do during the game to adjust, to adjust when things don't go their way, the run game. Will the Rams feed the running backs? We saw that Todd Gurley was out today. He with a well, the quad, which I'm looking at. <laughs> is it a Veterans Day or is this actually a quad injury? Do we know that? Ah, oh, he's fine, man. It's Wednesday. No, nobody that gets paid well practices on Wednesdays. So, you know, it's just their label as a quad. Of course, notice they don't say knee, right? If he says knee, the whole Twitterverse will just blow up. <laughs> you know? Even if it was, they wouldn't put that. <laughs> I mean, if it was, you know, if it's, they should. They just should just just to troll people, man. Just put knee. <laughs> put oh, torn meniscus. God. Put torn meniscus. Did not play, and then on the, the Thursday staff report, doubtful. Friday staff report, questionable. And then Friday and Sunday he goes out there and just. <laughs> Jokes on you. <laughs> they should totally do that. The funny totally. thing about it is, is like in the, in the off season we talked about what we believe they should do with Todd Gilly moving forward, considering he's you know under a hefty contract now, right? They should use him sparingly and and uh, save him for games that count to uh, keep some of the tread off the tires and that's exactly what they're doing and all of us that have talked about this in the offseason we're really excited in the direction we're seeing the offense and him not getting a ton of touches every game early on in the season um they might have dialed it back a little too much especially last week but i do like what i'm seeing it's just sad that whether it's rams twitter or even the media just talking about his knee when we all know his knee is fine. They're just saving him for later. Like, what is your problem? Like, how do you not get it? Yeah, okay, he probably has a little arthritis in his knee. So what? 
But yeah, he doesn't but owe anyone an explanation on that. He heard past it. He doesn't call the play. So if Sean doesn't call a running play, he's not going to get the ball. How's it? Has nothing to do with him. You yeah, know? but Tommy, the arthritis doesn't even really show up until later on, anyways. Yeah, and our dude, mean, arthritis is you could play through it, man. Just take an Advil. Give me a break, <laughs> dude. I'm at least beat early up on. The, I'm beat up from the feet up at 41, and I don't take pain pills at all. And I have three discs that are 90 percent degenerated, bro. I'm in pain all day, every day. I deal with it. Sure, you know, you know, I'm in pain. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. Surgery's a month and a half away. <laughs> Come on, yeah, old and decrepit me, but. Again, he's he's still young. That kind of that kind of arthritis sets in as time goes on. It's not one of those things that you generally would worry about now. And if it's something they worry about now, then just he wouldn't be playing really. If it's that bad, no. he's not playing. Okay, no. So you know, and I, 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 Mike from the Sunday Show, Michael Stewart, believes there's something wrong. And I just I refer back to history. His, you know, when the Rams have struggled on the offensive line. Gurley struggled. And Mike's case was on the last show was that, hey, uh, you know, superstar players do superstar things. Well, yeah, but what kind of what kind of what kind of running back is he? What kind of running back is Todd Gurley overall? Was he a Barry Sanders guy who will make nothing out of you know something out of nothing, period, who can just move the way? Or is Todd Gurley the guy who will burst right there at his hole and then go and you can't get him then? That's you know that's who Todd Gurley is. He has to have an initial hole, initial niche, and then he can go. In all the years where he's had a struggle is when that hole wasn't there. That's pretty much the case for almost every running back. I had, a running back I had a running back <clears throat> that I played with years ago. He was our starter, and he was fantastic, amazingly talented. And... He also was emotional, and when he w- when the holes weren't there, when things weren't going the way that he would hope they would, um, he would fall apart emotionally, and and he wouldn't play well. And so a lot of times, it, it got to a point where I called a timeout and I went to the coach and said, "Get this clown off my field." And he's like, "Why?" I'm like, "Cause he's a big baby, and I don't want to play with big babies. He's soft. Get him out of here. I don't care how good he is. Bring him in." And I pointed to the backup because the backup. He's just like, give me the ball, man. I'll do whatever. I don't care if there's no hole. I'll make one. He had the right attitude. He just wanted to play. All right. Well, the other guy just wanted it to go his way, and he didn't. He couldn't handle adversity well. Todd Gurley is very emotional. He gets butt hurt easy. He's the kind of guy you stand in a group of people and joke with him and and give him a little razz, and he get he get upset. You could tell. I've talked to and, him a couple of times. A person to know that I smell that shit from him, dude. Excuse and, my French, but he's like that. Well, sure, and we saw that. I think in the Saints game, he just lost it mentally. The Super Bowl. I, sometimes it's, it's not when you have, when you're an emotional person. Sometimes it's not the injury; it's the mental part of it. And people forget there's a reason we have sports psychologists out there. It's not just the physical; it's the mental. And we'll get more into that. But before we do, we need to do a quick pause. Check out our sponsor. Here we go. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in DC. Almost half of DC's traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. DC police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. All right, so... 
we have more talk to do, but before we do, we want to talk with John Chapman over at 49ers Rush Podcast, also a member of the Big Heads Podcast Network. Let's get him on the line here. All right, folks, we are here with John Chapman from the 49ers Rush Podcast. John, how you doing, man? Man, it is a uh, great day, but with like an asterisk next to it, I guess is probably the best way. Uh, you know, as you guys probably, I don't think anybody celebrates injuries, but uh, the 49ers fans got some bad news today with a major injury that I'm sure we're going to jump into. But outside of that, things are wonderful, man. Glad to be here. Well, we'll get to that, in- that injury. It's uh, big news and Certainly, to it's certainly going to throw some notice over to the Rams' defensive line, especially. But we we do want to ask you overall. This 49ers team, it's had some talent for a while now. Injuries in the past have kind of pulled things over. But right now, what is the overall status of this team? That after that big win over the Browns on Monday night, and and honestly, what has helped this team emerge as a serious contender for the NFC West crown? It's it's really interesting. If you look at the personnel groupings, like you said, we there's not really a lot of new key starters that were added anywhere. Perhaps you could say Nick Bosa and Quan Alexander on the defensive side, but that's really about it. So you're talking maybe two starters that have been added from to a team from that has just been you know basically awful bottom tier. Uh, looking at the past few years. But here's the thing that is the most special thing about the 2019 49ers is 100% defense. Um, they only allowed three points, obviously, to the Browns on Monday Night Football, but they haven't allowed a point of an opponent to go over 20 points yet in the game. And so it's only they've only played four weeks because they did have the early bye week, which hurts even more now with the injuries. But this defense is able to get off the field. The 49ers lead the NFL in two categories. Um, one, the least amount of three and outs, and forcing the most three and outs, despite only playing four games. So it's it's able to stop momentum from building on the opposite side, and then sustaining drives on the whenever we have the ball on offense. So those things, it seems like everything's finally starting to gel because we're getting so much pressure up front. You know, Nick Bosa was just named NFC Defensive Player of the Week um, as a rookie, which is wonderful. But it, because the pressure's happening up front, it's helping out our secondary. And Quan Alexander, I, I don't think he's getting a lot of credit. He is playing about as well as any linebacker in the NFL lately. So uh, those two guys kind of had a trickle-down effect to the entire defense, and everything's just gelling right now. Hey, John, this is Tommy. Welcome to the show. Much appreciated. I'll say this. Uh, Tommy, I, I want to I ask you guys a question because I know this is you guys want to know about the, the 49ers. How do you guys feel about the matchup this week? Um, are you guys like... Yeah, we've got this one in the bag, or is this a little bit more like we're going to figure out who we are this year? I wouldn't say we got this in the bag. That would be delusional fanboy response. I would say you guys are tough, and this is going to be a dogfight. And I'm curious to see what type of game plan Sean McVay and Wade Phillips pull out against the Niners because the last couple of games, the game plan I was not a fan of, and we lost both. So if we can get away from the garbage zone coverage and and soft behavior on defense, which is nothing like Wade Phillips has ever really coached in his career, and, and oddly for two games we've seen this zone defense and receivers just running around free, 
for average quarterbacks like Jameis Winston to just play pitch and catch. Um, I want to see a better game plan, and we're going to need one against a tough team like you guys. Yeah, it, it's it's. I am curious to see if you guys do a lot of zone concepts. Uh, Kyle Shanahan kind of destroys those. Um, you got to beat them with man, which is weird because you guys have such physical outside corners, and I know you guys have some injuries at the safety position, but uh, you still have a lot of depth there. Uh, you guys got one of my favorite players at safeties. I don't even want to say his name anymore. It broke my heart uh, in the draft this year, but. It, You've got to man up against our guy, our outside wide receivers, because we don't throw them the ball that much. You know, the targets are very minimal to outside wide receivers. Uh, the majority of the passes go to our running backs or fullback, who is now also out, and our t- our tight end. So uh, backs and the tight end is kind of where most of the stuff go. But again. Staying with the tendencies of the 49ers, uh, they're first in the NFL in rush attempts per game, and they're first in the NFL in rush yards per game. They're averaging exactly 200 yards per game just on the ground. Unreal. Uh, Unreal. Yeah. And I don't think that that's going to be able to continue, especially with the injuries to Mike McGlinchey and Kyle Juszczyk and Joe Staley. So (laughs) we've got kind of three top 10 run blocking players in the NFL that they're now going to be without. So it's going to take a toll for sure. Well, that's a perfect segue into my question I was going to ask you. So in the past, the 49ers, and I know this because my brother and my mom are 49er fans, which is just horrible growing up like that right (laughs) even and we're all from la too which makes it even worse um but that's neither here nor there so my point is is i pay really close attention to this team for multiple reasons and that's the thing so what's gonna happen next um you know if you went back to before the season and i was breaking down kind of the depth at each position you've had a ton a ton of issues with players you know half of your roster being on ir by week 10 yeah what has the and i know you guys fired your trainer in the offseason which i high five my brother on i was like it's about time right yeah what are you guys doing differently now from the offseason into october to stay a little more relatively healthy than normal although we are starting to see some players fall off again well i can say that we haven't had any players go down in practice which is a step up in the right direction you know all three of the injuries the key injuries that have happened it's been players rolling up on other players Uh, perhaps our offensive linemen are just too good because they're pancaking people into the other players Um, if you look at Mike McGlinchey's leg injury it happened because Kyle Juszczyk power cleaned a defender into the back of his leg if you look at um you know, Joe Staley's injury, it was because Lakin Tomlinson pancaked a guy into his leg. So I don't know how you get away from those. I, I don't think there's anything you can do. Kyle Shanahan has been very adamant, him and John Lynch, about resting players continuously through practice. We are probably practicing the least of the NFL because if anybody has an issue, they just sit out. And it's just what, what they're doing now because they're Absolutely. trying to change their game plan, kind of like what you said. We've had a lot of injuries, but we have our top three offensive tackles are now out. Um, so uh, this is a problem for sure, and we're, we are starting backups and scrubs at the offensive tackle position, which is never good, especially when you're playing somebody like the Rams. Fair enough. So your tackles, though, give us some more information. You're down to these two rookie tackles. They're starting on Sunday. How do you expect this to affect the overall 49ers offensive game plan? 
Okay, so first off, they're very good run blockers. Um, you know, we've seen Justin School. He was a rookie six-round pick out of Stanford. He's a great run blocker. Now, he started two weeks, and he went up against Miles Garrett this past week. Now, Miles Garrett kind of plays on both sides. He jumped back and forth the defensive right and left. But he held his own. He didn't give up um, any sacks to Miles Garrett. And as I said before, if you, if you watched the Monday Night Football game, the very first play the 49ers had was an 83-yard touchdown right off of the butt of Justin School, the left tackle that's filling in. So he can run block very well. On the right side, a little bit of a different story. <laughs> Daniel Brunskill, um, he was an AAF star, uh, the league that failed before it got started, right? So he comes over. He was with the 49ers all through the offseason, but he got waived. He didn't make the initial 53, but we brought him back as soon as we had an injury. Um, and so he's really a guard. <laughs> he's a hybrid guard. And again, great run blocker, but suspect at best at right tackle now he did get six snaps <laughs> so his experience is there on monday night football at right tackle because um, mcglinchy actually came back in once he got rolled up on he went to the sideline for six plays but then he was able to shake it out and go back in um, but after it swelled up they decided to go ahead and get the knee scoped and just make it uh, so no more damage happened so a, a huge question mark on the right tackle spot so uh, curious to see if they will bring some blitzes off of the edge but you have to keep in mind Kyle Shanahan is not a vanilla coach, very similar to what you guys do on offense. He is going, we're going to have two tight end sets um, all the time. So it's not like it's going to be a one-on-one pass pro against your, uh, you know, Matthews or whoever you want to put on the outside. He's going to have a lot of help. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo has only been sacked four times this year, which ranks 35th in the NFL as quarterbacks. Uh, There's only 32 teams, so it kind of shows you They've gotten the ball out quick, and they've run the ball a ton. And I don't think that those two things will change. Will he get sacked playing against you guys? I think he's going to go down a couple of times. But because of the play callers, play calls, getting the ball out quick and running the ball so damn much, I, I don't think that it does limit the playbook some, but it's going to be mitigated by the play calling, if that makes sense. No, it does. It does. And, I mean, if you think about it, you know he's not going to get sacked a lot because you guys are running the ball forty plus times a game, and that's a smart move. You you spend that much money on a quarterback, and Jimmy Garoppolo is a good player. You know you need to protect that investment a little bit, and at the end of the day, do what's right. And that's why you know a few weeks ago when the Rams threw it sixty eight times, I'm like, you're, what are you trying to do? Get Jared Goff killed out there, man? Hand the ball off. What are you it's doing? It's not the way to win in the NFL. Uh, it's it's Same. really really not. Uh, you, the Falcons and you guys like I. I, I I struggle with that identity um, just because it slows down the game so much because the clock stops every incompletion and and one, it increases turnover rates and all those things. But I, I, I know I sound old school here, but it, you've got to have a balance or if, if you're not balanced, you've got to favor the run. Uh, well, we are old school. We're all, I mean, but me and Derek are in our 40s, so we're with you. Man. <laughs> we're right there it. with we're you. Old, old and decrepit. but let me let me ask you this you know if the if the 49ers were in the market for a wide receiver and we're looking to trade for one before the deadline i know you guys aren't passing the ball a lot but it would look pretty out there if you had somebody that made you know someone a little bit nervous to you know are they going to throw a deep blah 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 they need there needs to be someone out there that that the defense can respect. So there's two guys that I was looking at that I think would fit really well with your team. Um, 
but who would you choose and why? That's Emmanuel Sanders or Stephon Diggs? Uh, Stephon Diggs is the definition Kyle Shanahan wide receiver. Um, he values separation more than speed or size. Uh, you look at who we've drafted, um, you know, Dante Pettis, Trent Taylor, uh, guys like that. Even Debo Samuels, not really an overly big guy, tall-wise or any speed-wise. He wants separation. Uh, route running is key, and you could argue Stephen Diggs is one of the best route runners in the NFL. Now he's having a lot of issues up there, but I don't think that he is available for trade. I really don't think they're going to. The Minnesota Vikings, again, you got to look at uh, kind of their head coach, uh, Zimmer, and how they run things. Very, again, staying with the old school theme. Nobody's in charge of me. He, he's a total badass, and he's going to have his way. That's just what it is. And they think they're competing, which I, they do have a great defense and one of the better running games in the NFL, but I don't think they're in the position to sell. Now, you look at Denver definitely in the position to sell now you look at emmanuel sanders 32 years old coming off an achilles injury which is going to be rough what is it going to cost to get that guy um i don't i would not be comfortable giving up more than a sixth perhaps trading some defensive line depth um to bring him over i'd be okay with that uh, now i will say the 49ers just brought back jordan matthews um who was with us all offseason i think he's going to be active against you guys but they just brought him back so yeah it definitely needs some help but like you said they're not throwing the ball that much to the wide receivers anyway and they're hoping some of these younger guys step up but we haven't seen any of that this year so if the wide receiver position was addressed this team would be the offense would be pretty special yeah right i agree but it's solid enough now especially to do the job and wear teams down which is it's a bit different for me watching shanahan do what he's doing now with an offense compared to what he did in atlanta when he's in atlanta they were much more wide open they loved to use the run they were, but they were throwing. They had dynamic receivers. All that in mind, it, it, I guess my question to follow up on him is: All that in mind is what engineered this shift away from the things that he was known for in Atlanta to a much more of a power game now. Yeah, I, again, there's no Julio Jones <laughs> on this personnel. Personnel is yeah. the answer, right, John? Yeah, personnel. And even if you look at the way in which they've drafted, you know, uh, they go out and they spend a top 10 pick on Mike McGlinchey, which nobody expected. Um, now, he has spent back to back years, second round picks on wide receivers. But again, they're not the gigantic height, weight, speed guys. I mean, if you look, DK Metcalf was on, he was available. And they chose to go with Debo Samuel, who is five inches shorter and probably 30 pounds lighter and slower because he covets the separation. So uh, it seems like what they're doing, and again, everything is focused. You know, Booger McFarlane on Monday night, whatever, I don't want to give him too much of a hard time, but he did a really bad job. And he kept talking about how Juszczyk was the centerpiece of this offense. That is so far from the truth. I love Kyle Juszczyk. He's very important. But George Kittle is the centerpiece. You know, currently he is the number one ranked player for Pro Football Focus across all positions, offense or defense, and he, he he's an amazing run blocker. You know, people always talk about who the best tight end in the NFL is. I don't think it's close. Obviously, I'm biased. No, you're you right. Watch, you're not. You're not being biased. You're right. He had he six pancake <laughs> blocks in week three. Six pancake blocks in week three. One week alone, a, t a receiving tight end. Um, he is able to seal the edge and just dominate defensive linemen in the running game. And every single team that plays him is giving two different players to make sure that they limit him in the pass game. So because of that, 
you're allowed to create a lot of blocking angles and a lot of play action and things like that. So uh, George Kittle is the focus point. So if you look back to those Atlanta teams like you're talking about, Julio Jones was the focus. Um, and uh, you could keep going back, you know, whenever um, – Kyle Shanahan was with Washington even. It was, you know, Cooley and Alfred Morris. So they just ran the ball like crazy. Uh, but now if you go to this team here, it is Matt Breida and it's George Kittle. Matt Breida, we have three players, rushers right now, that are in the top eight for yards per rushing attempt. Dude, um, Matt Breida is fast too, yeah. man. Oh, I saw that run where he broke loose. On the highlights, I'm like, you got to be kidding me! You cannot let that guy get in the open field. It, it's special. He's he he's not very shifty, but he is a pinball. Uh, wheels. He's got some he's got wheels. Yeah, he ran a four three three. He wasn't invited to the combine out of Georgia Southern, but the speed is there for sure. Um, yeah, he's last year he had the number one speed in the NFL for a ball carrier, and he just broke that uh, this week with that first run of the game. Which you know they talked a lot about next gen stats and all that stuff, but but he's consistently fast for sure. You know why George Kittle's such a good blocker? He's a WWE guy. He loves <laughs> the rough and tumble, rock 'em sock 'em. He just he loves all that, man. He likes to he likes to get rough. So what better way to get your wrestling fix out of the way than beat people up on the field every Sunday? Yep. And whenever he was drafted, he had a quote. Um, they asked him, like, what's your favorite thing about playing football? And he says, whenever I can move a person against their will and impose my – I think he said something like knock their soul out of their body. Nothing Dude. gives me greater pleasure. <laughs> like this was like a fifth-round draft pick out of Iowa talking about removing people's souls. Like he's been this guy since the day he showed up. He has not changed. Is my kind of guy, man. I played safety forever, and I was absolutely that type of player. I only cared about destroying people. Yep, I, you that's gotta love what it, I did. Man. I it's love football. it. I do. I love it. I'm a big fan of Kittle, man. He's got. He's he's amazing. So, so uh, one thing I do want to say is just kind of a prediction time with you guys. Now, the Vegas line, it's really, really funny. Uh, it was, you know, you guys were favored three and a half points. We were the underdogs. It's actually moved closer to the 49ers. So a half a point has switched just in the past 24 hours, um, which usually the home team always gets three points or gives away three points. And so now Vegas is kind of saying this is a coin flip game. I, I expect with the news of the injury to start to trend the other direction. Um, but I am curious, whoever comes out of this game with a win, the NFC West, it's wide open. Even now, even if the 49ers win this, I, th I still think that there's a strong possibility three teams make the playoffs out of the NFC West. Uh, it, there's so much talent there. Um, but uh, I don't know if you guys have any predictions, but uh, it's a 50-point over-under. You know, if I have to be uh, the 49ers guy and everybody can hate me, that's fine. I do think it's going to be pretty close to that. I have a 27-24 49ers victory. Um, it, it, I, I've got my rose-colored glasses on saying that with a big smile. Um, I, I do think that you guys definitely should be favored. But I do think the 49ers, man, we're going to figure out. I think they're going to answer for themselves if they're for real or not. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun this week, guys. Really excited about it. Man, I didn't even get to my last question. He was just jumping right through predictions. I, I got excited. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Excited. I mean, he's, he, he, he just, <laughs> you just could not wait to, to tell us you think the 49ers are going to win this game. 
You were so I excited. I to make sure that. I had the chance. Yeah, I, <laughs> okay. I did. I wanted to make sure I could throw that on there. And again, direct all your hate, all the fans, everybody <laughs> listening, to at JL underscore chat. And please bring on the hate. I, I, I love uh, just the back and forth banter between fan bases. It's always a lot of fun. Well, as long as I try not to banter with the 49er fans or any fans too much because I just annihilate them. It's not even fun for me. <laughs> there their, you go. There their you go. replies are just so pedestrian. <laughs> I, I'm on another level, bro. I'm not going to I'll pat myself on the back. I, I swing. Let me, I'll give you an example. So I was at Disneyland on Monday with my son. It was his first trip, 11 months old. Went on all little kid rides. And we're in line in the evening. And, and Disneyland was riddled with 49er fans on on Monday. It was unreal. None of them said a word to me. I didn't say a word to them. I'm having a good time. We're in line for its small world. And some snarky little 49er fans like, oh, Rams, huh? And I'm like, yeah, huh, 49ers, huh? And, you know, stupid remark. And I was like, yeah, big fan, huh? He's like, oh, yeah, big fan. I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, they're playing on Monday Night Football right now, and you're standing in line for a, it's a small world, but you're a big fan. Have a nice day, bud. Oh, ouch. At crickets. Ouch. As a matter of fact, everybody else in line laughed, and he just turned the other way and was like, I'm done. I was Man. just getting started. <laughs> <laughs> One line crushed him. That was it. He was out. That The best part about that is probably you can already keep passing them back and forth, like through the line the whole time. And so, like, the slow burn continues. Oh, oh no, no, the- we did. We did. We passed each other about four more times, and I just <laughs> smiled. <laughs> he just shook his head, like, bro, that was brutal. I'm like, well, you kind of lit yourself up on that one, you know? <laughs> and it was during the game, it was perfect timing. It was great. <laughs> All right, so, John. Let's go ahead and get our predictions out there while you're on the line as well. But, you know, I did have a question on the front seven. Yeah, I'm going to ask it before you go here. The uh, I've been I've been preaching this. I, I mentioned on the show as well that the 49ers are basically built to ram, built to beat the Rams. They built that front seven to match it with what the Rams do, and they did even in injuries with injuries last year still give the Rams some problems. This year, breaking in two young offensive linemen. How does that 49ers front seven match up with this Rams front? So, again, your front seven, so our offensive line, the interior strength is there, but not Aaron Donald there, obviously. Um, They're going to have to be quick. But you are correct whenever you say the 49ers have built this team to win the division. Um, You know, Jared Goff is a system quarterback that is very efficient. I don't want to piss anybody off by saying system quarterback. I don't mean that as a negative term whatsoever. His skill set fits exactly what Sean McVay wants to do. And so the only way that you can disrupt that, not with coverage, you have to disrupt that with pressure and making him uncomfortable. Whenever he gets uncomfortable and makes his uncomfortable kind of Jared Goff face, whatever, uh, that's what bad things happen. So uh, I think the number one matchup is y'all's amazing offensive line, which is wonderful, against our amazing defensive line, which is wonderful as well. So you're talking about the best unit on your team, which I think is the offensive line. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, you think our offensive line is the best? I, I, I do. I, I they love They were last tackles. year, but yeah, year, when, uh, everybody stinks except for Whitworth and Notebloom. Like the center, right guard. Right tackle are just getting mauled. I am terrified how they're going to play. They need to run the ball and toughen up a little bit because, trust me, this defensive line that you guys are bringing with D. Ford and Nick Bose on the edge, I'm a little nervous, dude. Not going to lie. 
So that's the thing. Like, it's got to be Bosa versus Whitworth, which is what you want to see. You know, D the Ford old is guard annihilate Havenstein. D Ford hasn't played his best football this year so far. Um, he, he's made a lot of splash way. plays, but hopefully that changes Sunday, like you said. Look, but trust you me, I watched saw... the highlight the last couple of weeks. Ugh. Oh yeah, yeah, it's bad. I want to back up here a little bit because you, you said something that you know Tommy knows. Tommy knows me by now. That's gonna that's gonna tweet me a little bit here. System quarterback. <laughs> oh no, system quarterback. Please explain to me why you would say Jared Goff is a system quarterback. Okay, so uh, what I mean by that is, it, it, do not mean that as an insult at all. Okay, uh, I was very high on Goff coming out of college, but what he is, um, he's a quick passer and it, what, he's got to get the ball out quick <laughs> which with that offensive line and the wide receivers that create all that space it works perfectly so whenever you have McVay that runs this wide open scheme um, it just works perfectly with what that is. I do not personally think that Jared Goff would thrive in every single situation. I, I just don't see that in there. And I feel the same way about J- uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. I feel the same way about lots of different quarterbacks. I do not mean that as an insult. It I shouldn't be. This- why? Why is the word the term system corner uh, system quarterback <laughs> a bad thing? Think about it this way: There's quarterbacks out there that refuse to be a part of the system. Right, yes. they don't want to well, study the playbook. They don't want to get in there and do the work, and it shows. Brett Favre was a perfect example, and he's admitted it since he's retired. He's like, dude, I just went out there and played football. He didn't even know what a nickel defense was, and he admitted it. Right, he but was a gunslinger. But that's I'd why I'm clarifying. Quarterback Tommy. than a gunslinger. Gunslinger. That's why I'm no clarifying. I'm cl- I asked yeah. a clarifying question because in today's NFL circles, when you say system quarterback, that is instantly a negative. Like you are saying, this guy, if it isn't for Sean McVay, would suck. That's to me what I hear when someone says system quarterback. That's what I'm hearing someone no, say. No, so no that's he would why suck I asked the question. If he was in a system that sucked, like Jeff Fisher's. Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> everybody, freaking Johnny Unitas would suck in, in Jeff Fisher's system now, okay? I'm, what I'm talking exactly. about overall, though, in terms of assistant quarterback, you know, if you are, because if that's the case, you could easily argue like Tom Bryce's assistant, assistant quarterback, where he do well in. He is. He is. I, he I, is I a system quarterback. I, that, listen, that's where I'm going, okay? Yeah, he is. But when we, when we have a media that in today's world, automatically assigned system quarterback equaling negative. That's why I asked the clarifying question. What do you mean system quarterback? Because if you mean he is he is a perfect player for the system that Jared Goff I'm mean, sorry, not Jared Goff, Sean McVay runs, then okay, okay. But in today's modern journalism world, when you say system quarterback, you're saying this dude isn't going to be any good except for in this system. And that's it. This one system. There's just this one guy, this but one that's coach an assumption, that's it. Though. It's, it's, but that's it's a really terrible, how the, that's it's a the terrible term. Uh, yeah, because the, the media overall, the national media, creates garbage narratives all the time. It, it's been that way since I was a kid. I pay attention to all that stuff. I'll, I'll, I'll be watching NFL Live or uh, Total Access, and I'll just roll my eyes because they say dumb stuff all the time. It's unreal. Unreal. Everybody's yeah, a system there. quarterback. Either the system sucks or it doesn't. Okay? The effort to get in there and do the work to be good. Peyton Manning was one of the worst athletes in sports history. Okay? Two left feet. Same with Tom Brady. But guess what they did? 
they took their physical disadvantages and turned it around and used what they could, which is their minds, right? They got in the film room. They learned to be smarter than you on the field because they can't beat you with their bodies because they're terrible athletes. That's just how it works. Everyone plays to their strengths. Michael Vick was fast, and he could throw a 70-yard spiral. But did he go in the film room? Jameis Winston, dude, the list goes on. These guys are lazy. They don't want to do the work because it's actual work. You spend your whole life running around in Pop Warner in high school. and But once you get to the NFL, it's the best 1,600 players in the world. There's no more hiding your deficiencies. System quarterback is a stupid term. It always has been, and it always will be. I love it. Dude, that felt good. I, I, I feel better now. <laughs> Dude, I'll go off on a tangent. Derek knows. Well, I mean, that's, <laughs> that that's why you asked, you know, because – and I mean, again, I'm saying in, in today's media, assistant quarterback is such a negative term. So when I hear that, I'm like, okay, what do you mean by it? Where are you going with it? And because it's the same thing, I would look at Jared Goff and say, you can watch some of the throws he's made, and you could say, if you're going to go by the negative definition of assistant quarterback, he's not that. Some of the throws he makes, I'll, I'll say it outright. I told Tommy a couple weeks ago, there's nobody in the NFL who throws as good as a good now pass, intermediate nope. or short. As Jared Goff, no one's close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, now he's got it. Other issues are there that he still has to develop, but those routes, those throws, there's nobody better. And so, system quarterbacks, it, by that definition, aren't making throws like that. I can go back to the Vikings game from I always go back to the Vikings game. That was just the 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 tell all moment of what of what he's capable of when given protection, time to run pro run run a, a the full one two three all the way through the receivers, and you know he's just not this negative system guy. No, so Jared, I'm Jared glad. Goff, guys like Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo, if you give them four seconds, will pick you apart. Yeah. They will because they're that good. You just got to give them time. Every quarterback needs time, and if you don't have wheels to run around on, then you're screwed. You need a good offensive line, dude. You need a good blocking scheme. You, got, you need a selfless running back and tight end. You need those things, right? If you're not, if you don't got wheels to get out of the way, like guys like Baker Mayfield can, you know, yeah, running for their life out there. But if you don't have the ability to do that, if you're a statue pocket quarterback, you better have a good old line. So, John, all that in mind, before we get pulled into this man, <laughs> that was fun. You get pulled hey, into a ramp. So, you've already given your prediction. Uh, is there anything? else that kind of sticks out to you about this game that you want folks on fans on both sides of the aisle to really pay attention to yeah yeah i think that you've got to watch when the 49ers on our offense you've got to pay attention to where the tight ends and the pre-snap motions are and all kyle Kyle shanahan's huge on pre-snap motions he'll do two to three per play so Pay attention to where the tight ends are lining up next to which tackle, whether it's the offensive left or offensive right. But that that's always going to dictate where the ball is going. So just pay attention to the pre-snap alignment and motions. That's going to take you to where the ball is. But the problem with it is, once you think you have it figured out, they motion again, and then you get it figured out, then they motion again. So it's a constant changing up the defensive assignments, and so it's going to be a huge X and O matchup between uh, Wade Phillips and Kyle Shanahan. That's my favorite thing in 49ers games is always paying attention to just how he manipulates uh, assignments and alignment of the defensive side. 
players always, you know, overthink everything. I always used to tell my linebackers in front of me, hey, what's the play? What's the play? I'm like, dude, just follow the ball. Like, just use your eyes. The center has the ball. He's going to snap it. Follow the ball with your eyes, you idiot. Stop worrying about the pre-snap motion. You know what I mean? You, sometimes you get in your head so much that you're you're bound to make a mistake. Yep. Just follow the ball, dude. <laughs> all right. With all that in mind, all that in mind, John, can you tell people where on earth they can find you do a couple podcasts? Am I correct? Yeah, do uh, obviously I do the 49ers one, which your fans don't want to listen to. But uh, on Twitter, I also own and run a fantasy football website, Eat Sleep Fantasy. So if you are into fantasy, we have got you covered. Eat Sleep Fantasy is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. So uh, hit us up over there or on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman. I don't just tweet 49ers, even though it is 49ers heavy. But uh, yeah, that's the best place to find me. All right. Well... Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. And I'm guessing we'll talk to you again for the second game later in the year. Shoot, we might have three games against you guys this year. There is a strong possibility that's going to happen. Woo-wee, that'll be fun. Yeah. Well, I'm just wanting to get through game one first. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I just want to get through game one. All right, thanks, John, so much for talking to us, and we'll, we'll catch up soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. All right, take care, John. Wow, I got him getting real, real hyped up with the uh, the assistant quarterback thing. I know was ready that's to why roll, I had to jump man. There. Was ready to roll. Like, you know, he was very respectful in how he he addressed it. I just was like, you know, no, and, and he you were you were just looking for his intention, right? You were wondering is he on that lazy narrative like everyone else, or does he get it? And I think he got it. He does. You know, he does. Yeah, and you know, I, and there are certain things, and I know that Jared Goff has his flaws. I know a few people have accused me on social media of being this hardcore Goff supporter, and it's not the that's not the case at all. I do also think, though, that you know you have to understand where this kid is, what his background is, what's going on up front. There's, it's not Goff when this team is struggling. It's not just Goff alone. The turnovers are oftentimes going to emanate from him because the end process is with him. Like, if he's running for his life and he's still trying to complain, and a fumble comes out, well, what happened to get you to that point? Did he make a bad decision? Probably. What were the bad things that happened before that, though, where he's running for his life? Why is he running for his life? Interceptions. Is it always going to be just a bad throw? Is it, is it short? Is it behind or someone run a bad route. We don't always know these things, but we're ready to kill Goff. We're, we're, we're ready to put him in this box. And that, to me, is really lazy in terms of an, analyzing football. It is, dude. Jared, I'll give you a perfect play in, in the Bucks game. I, and it was on my side of the field where I could see it and I watched it again on the film. Dude, Shaq Barrett came in when the ball was snapped and completely destroyed Rob Havenstein mm-hmm. into um, Jared Goff, who threw the ball up, had his arm hit, and it popped up in the air, and, and they intercepted it. That was absolutely not his fault. That was the offensive line's fault, dude. He got it. I mean, it, it, it took two seconds to get in there. You know? It was one-on-one embarrassing. You can't, you can't be that big of a human being and get pushed around like that. I'm sorry, man. There's no excuse. That's ridiculous. You can't. You can't. And also, in that game, you you have your starting right guard, Blythe. He's out. You have Jamel Demby in there. 
I know you aren't happy with Demby. Many folks aren't. He seems to be making progress. But in that game, Simon is missed. Brian Allen is moving to his left. Pass pressure passes right by him. The person who should have been there was Demby. He wasn't. Goff gets hammered. Okay. Those are going to happen with a young offensive line. But is it Goff's fault? Now, why? Let me ask you this. Experience or not in the NFL at the offensive line position or defensive line position for that matter, take away the play calling, the stunts, the assignments, all that. When the ball's hiked and it's just you locked up arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder, mano y mano with another grown man, does any of that really matter other than one of them, one of you is going to get your butt kicked? That's all it boils down to at the end of the day. Man versus man. Which one is physically, emotionally, mentally more tough than the other? That's all it is. So when I see an offensive lineman get crushed like that or a defensive lineman get pancaked, all, all I think is, man, you're soft. Because they are. It's that simple. It's that simple. And it's not every play. Like you, you, No, it's, it's not you, every play. Mentally, you might be off not. for one play, and that one play will wreck you. You're mm-hmm. done. And everyone's got to be in the game twenty four seven. Yep, you might be in the game for fifty five plays, and the one play you botch up may cost you the game. And that's all anybody's ever going to remember. It's unfortunate that that's how people will view it. But do you think I remember all the snaps from Hamlin's time from that game, or do I remember that blown assignment, him him messing up, him letting Goff get hit? Which one do you think yeah, I remember? I went back. I went. I, yeah, you're going to remember the turnover. I went back and watched every snap, offensive line and defensive line, because that's where I like to see my focus, because that's where football is most important, in my opinion. Everything else is arbitrary. If you can't play on those two parts of the field, you ain't going to do anything this league. Right. But that's what happened to the Browns on Monday night. They have all these skill players. It's taken them years to finally get some talent skill wise, but their offensive line's horrible. And what happened? Yeah, I mean, I like, like, okay, think about it over the last five to seven years. How many offensive linemen Dallas drafted in the first round? Like, I was, like, digging on that. I'm like, dude, these guys are, they're going for it. First round pick, first round pick, first round pick. You know, and then they took a chance on Collins because he fell for some garbage, and they got a first-round talent in in the seventh round or whatever. Mm -hmm. Why didn't we jump on that, dude? Stupid. question I was asking. Come on, man. Like, we need to start drafting offensive linemen, dude. Like, and, and good ones that are tough guys. Like, real tough guys off the field, you know? The maulers. The guys like, like you know, uh, John was talking about George Kittle. He's a tough guy. That's why he plays the way he does. He's not afraid of nobody out there. A tight end, he'll hit anybody. You want guys like that on your team, dude. Well, I mean, we're picking on the way the Rams are drafting here. The Rams just have this core belief that they are going to develop guys. They don't need to develop first-rounders. They don't need to use first-rounders on those guys. And the reason why is because they can, they can get guys in third and fourth round and develop them. And I think Nobu's played fine. I think, I think he's, he's good. I think he's good. I, I, I think, think he's, he's a good player. Uh, there's been some articles written about Brian Allen in his performance. And, um, you know, I... Don't exactly agree. I think he's had some good moments. He's had some not so good moments. He's going to be fine though because the way the way he's developing over time here is he's getting it. He's, he's the just, hardest job though. 
He does. On that line. He does. The center is the hardest job. I don't care what anybody says. If that's what's going on right now, then I'd say you've got to be patient, right? It's going to happen. Now the concern is going to be right guard and right tackle where you've had Rob Havenstein there. And There's Rob no Havenstein. excuse for him to play like crap. Exactly. No He's so got a right tackle forever. You better get it together or you're going to get shipped out like Roger Saffold did. So here we go. Before the Seattle game, before the Seattle game, I don't have the current PFF right now, but they entered that game with the lowest the lowest offensive line rating in the league. Now, they played better against the Seahawks. They <laughs> did. But we're used to the Rams being near the top now, offensive line play. I, well, yeah, yeah. I think, though, I think they're going to be fine. I think as every game that goes on, they're going to get better. I don't think they're going to get worse. I don't. Well, you can't I think they're get talented worse players too, right? No, I'm, I, don't care. I don't care about rankings. I care about just play overall. These guys, I just need... I need my linemen to be tough, and they're not playing tough right now. Brian's playing pretty tough, no bloom, but Blythe and Havenstein and Demby need to toughen up. You get paid for a living to work out, go to the gym, and get that cellulite off your fat arms and do some work like Roger Saffold did. You remember when Roger Saffold was drafted, how doughy he was when he came on our team, and he got injured like every year too. I mean, he had those big old like cellulite arms. looked like he never did a, a curl in his life. <laughs> And then he moves to L.A., and he hits Venice Beach, and within a year, he's shredded because he's in L.A. He wants to look good. He hit the gym, dude. His arms were like 40 inches around, and you couldn't even pinch him. I'm standing next to him in the tunnel at halftime in one of the games, and I'm like, dude, you've been getting it lately, huh? He's like, yeah, man, I gotta, I'm trying to stay healthy. I've injured a lot early in my career and just trying different things i was like you look great dude and it showed because he would drop people with those pancakes because that upper body strength and them shoulders and dude he went out there and he earned his paycheck i need to i need to see that from my guys in the trenches that's the thing i loved about saffold saffold i mean remember when the rams drafted him he was supposed to be the next left tackle because jason smith didn't work out Mm -hmm. they're gonna try again he was supposed to be the guy he didn't make it left tackle and then he gets hurt here and there, here and there. He's all over the place, going to guard, going right tackle, and and I remember, I remember the fans just going after Saffold. But Saffold, he had that grit, like he had that toughness to persevere. He put in the work. He figured it out. And mm-hmm. to me, he will go down as one of the Rams players I respect more. Than so many others. I'll remember him for what he did and how he worked and how he became that guy. And, and this team clearly misses him this year. But that's part, I think, the, of the maturation of being you know, this of a, an adult, really, an adult. And we're forgetting that some of these guys are, are young bucks. You know, Allen and Nope Boom, they're still becoming those adult football players. Havenstein, though, he hit an 84.3. Grade from PFF last year. Entered last week's game with a forty-seven point five. At this point, that shouldn't be happening. That no. Be how happening. do you re- how do you regress at this point in your career? I mean, come on. The effort. It's the effort. Okay, I want you to go find that play where Shaq Barrett pummeled him and threw the pick. And I'm I'm gonna tell you what I want you to look at. Watch Havenstein's feet. So he gets Shaq Barrett's coming off the corner. Comes rushing around. Havenstein gets his hands on him. He stops moving his feet altogether and just turns with him 
and Shaq drags him, and he kind of just falls on the ground like a little kid who's just learning how to walk for the first time. It's unreal. I had to rewind it like four times, and I almost broke my TV. That's how pissed I was at it. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It, it's it's disgusting, dude. It, it's going to infuriate you, trust me. It, it bothers me. It does. And, and <laughs> all that said, I hate to end on that kind of note, the full conversation, but we do need to, to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Jim Hawk, who has been great to us over the course of two years, and we're really appreciative of everything he's done. His book, Hollywood's Team, Great Glam, the 1950s Los Angeles Rams, is and still is one of the best history books about the Rams I've read. It has that personal touch. It's about his dad, John, who was an offensive line foot team from 1953 to 1957. Check out Asensor's father and the team he played for an era of glitz and glamour and future Hall of Famers. Rebound plays at Norman Van Brocklin, Elroy, Clarice Xhars, Tom Fears, and Les Richter in this story from the 1950s Los Angeles Rams. Folks, Hawk's book is available online at hollowsteam.com and at Hollowsteam on Twitter. You can find both electronic form, hardback, paperback. It's a great read. You can find it any way you want it. And all proceeds go to Homeboy Industries, which works to get people out of the gang life in the L.A. area and back to being productive members of society. Check it out. Hollowsteam, great glamour. In the 1950s, Los Angeles Rams. It's worth it. I'm telling you, it's worth the time. He, I got to tell you this, Tommy, he being John, John was really quick to ask questions, and, and we never even gave our predictions for the game. So let's do that. Let's, let's go ahead and, and give people our thoughts and see uh, you know, how they match up. What do you think? How are you going to call this game? Uh, this one's rough. I actually... For the first time in a long time, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what Sean and Kyle are going to throw at each other. I don't know what Wade's going to throw at Kyle. I don't know what these two teams are going to do. And I'm kind of excited about that. I know it sounds crazy, but I don't know what to expect, especially from our team. The identity crisis is alive. Who are we and who are we going to become? I think we find out. This weekend, and I think the 49ers are going to also find out how good are they really. They're very one-dimensional right now. So I say, if I'm Wade Phillips, I'm stacking the box, and I'm going to make Jimmy Garoppolo try to beat me. And if they do that, Rams win. All right, so what's your score, though? Going to make a call? I don't 21-17 Rams. I don't know. All right, so I've been preaching this for a long time. And, you know, when we watched Jeff Fisher coach this team, they would show up one week and then just completely disappoint you the next. They'd make the same mistakes over and over and over again. It was always penalties. It was always uh, boneheaded plays. It was mistakes, mistakes, lack of discipline. And it's amazing in the course of over just a couple years all those problems, for the most part, have gone away. Every team has that pop-up once in a while, but as a whole, those problems are gone. So, when I look at the current Rams, and I think of all the things that, in the how the old Rams would operate, they, would, they never could solve those problems. But the Rams always do, under Sean McVay. It maybe takes them a couple games. Maybe they need time away. Maybe they struggle a bit before they get there. But 
they always figure it out. And they always seem to come back with a new twist to make teams think a little more. Last week, the 12 personnel was Seattle, okay? Coming in there with the two tight end sets and getting Gerald Everett more involved. Now you have to go back and figure out a way to deal with this pass rush for the, for the 49ers. And all those things in mind, let's admit, if you're Sean McVay and you entered this season with Super Bowl aspirations, and right now you're 3-2 and two, coming back home, you've had 10 days off against your arch rival, these are the games that McVay's teams in the last couple of years have really gotten up for. Like, they've, they've responded to. So, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but... No, I, I see what you're getting at, and I understand, and you're actually starting to pump me up a little bit because okay. I do agree with you. And there's only been one other game since the Rams have moved back to L.A. against the 49ers that actually mattered, and I was at that game, and it was the color rush game in San Francisco in 2017 when we barely beat them, right? But that was an exciting game, and it was fun to watch. But the last two years, we play them in December at the end when we already wrapped up the division and we don't put our starters in. The games don't matter. So this is huge, and this is the first time the 49ers are coming to Los Angeles to the Coliseum when the game actually matters. It's going to be exciting, dude. Yeah. And all those things in mind, though, it's exciting for the 49ers, but it's exciting for the Rams. The Rams, yeah, everyone. This is going to be a big party on Sunday. It's going to be intense. And all that in mind, that's why I think the Rams win. I think the Rams, they. I know people are talking about the Super Bowl hangover. I don't see a Super Bowl hangover. I see a team that... God, I, there's another stupid, annoying yeah, I, phrase. It's, oh, my God. But what it really is is a team that, in the end, got exposed for some of the things they needed to work on last year, and they've had to work on those things without two veteran offensive linemen to... And without a preseason to practice. Exactly. And I st- more and more and more now you think, man, that was a mistake, okay? But... It's now game. It's now game six. They've had ten days. They got to sit and watch that 49er game. They got to see things all over, all the film. And I'm thinking, if this Rams team is capable of making that return run back to the Super Bowl, incapable of being who we all believe they can be. That's the team that shows up on Sunday, and that's why I think the Rams win. It'll be close. You know, I think you're around the ballpark. You said twenty-one seventeen. I think it'll be a lower yeah. scoring game. I'm going to go twenty-four seventeen, and I'm going to go with the Rams. Go in there, they battle, they show up in a way that where they are really trying to establish the run. They want to keep the San Francisco running game off the field. They don't want San Francisco controlling the controlling the clock for forty minutes, and. I that's going to be you're, we're going to leave that game I believe and hopefully I'm not embarrassed come Sunday night for making this call I really believe we're going to see one of the more complete games from the Rams this year so I'm calling it 24-17 Rams All right, we're going to get a focus Rams team I'm believing that because I believe that's the character these guys have but let me, let me add a caveat to that if they lose this game if they lose it then there there's I got serious questions. I'm serious. Yeah. How can you not get up for this? How can you not go out there and, and show who you are? I mean, I guess it depends on how you lose it. 
because you're facing like a quality football team. But if you go out there, yeah, like we you, lost, we lost in Seattle by one, respectably. Right. If we lose by one again, respectably, we lost to two really competitive teams. It just makes that Bucks loss look worse. Yeah. You know, that's it, that's but, not a game we should have lost. That game, that team sucks, dude. You, did you watch? I watched the whole game this weekend uh, against the Teddy Bridgewater led Saints. They didn't even look like a shell of themselves when they played us in LA. That team sucks, dude. They're so inconsistent. It makes us look worse that we lost that game. But that our is game why, plan was garbage. But that garbage. yeah, that but that is why I was so hardcore on social media about really saying, listen, this isn't just a player issue. That the coach the coaching staff owns this. And people are like, well absolutely Jared Goff is Jared Goff. Well listen, you think it's only Jared Goff. Come on, man. Really who, whose job is it to set you up for success both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball? Are you seriously just going to say it's just all Goff? Well, Goff made the fumble. Okay, all right, listen. When you don't run the football, when you play soft Jeff Fisher zone against a team that is just going to take what you give them anyway, and that's what Tampa Bay did, you're going to tell me that's a good game plan? Stop it. Come on. No, it's not. Shit. And then you know, I try. I do my best lately not to get into it with the average fan on Twitter and on social media in general. Because at the end of the day, for all of you out there listening, I played for eleven years. I study the game inside and out as a hobby. The, a lot of you just watch football. So for you to get into a conversation with me is usually going to give me a headache. So I'm moving forward. And choosing not to because I actually do the work to understand the game inside and out and and have a grasp on it from top to bottom. So I try to stay away from those conversations lately because they make my blood boil. And I've seen your blood boil on social media lately and you need to dial it back, dude. Just let them talk <laughs> because they don't know jack it's smack. It, it, they're just the average fan who just turns on their TV and watches and doesn't understand the game. My wife's been watching it for seven years now, and she still struggles. You know why? Because it's super freaking complicated. It's like playing chess, dude. You know, if you want to be, if you want to understand the game and talk about it, do some homework, watch film, uh, t- take print out the rule book and start reading. Start understanding the game a little bit more instead of just running your mouth all the time. It's exhausting. I mean, listen. I mean, you're you eat, sleep, and drink football, though, man. This is like this is your. I don't even watch any other sport. I don't. I don't like any other sport. Exactly. Okay, but for the average fan, they're going to go right from the NFL to in the spring. They'll shift over the NBA and some people to NHL. Baseball would pick it right back up again. And, you know, those are the folks who don't have the time invested across the board. Like, you know, here at Rams Talk, our staff pretty much does eat, drink, and sleep football. I mean, I think I'm the only one on our staff right now that really covers another sport. Okay? Yeah. And everybody else is just solely on Rams. Rams or it involves a Rams draft. And so every fan is different. Every perspective is different. But listen, you know, if this is kind of the, the, the rule of thumb here when it comes to a sport where you have a roster of 46 active and 53 total players in your roster, okay? And that is, it's never just one guy. 
It's never it's never just Goff's fault. There's something else going no. on there. It's never just a receiver's fault. It's never just the coach's fault. And if we can it's abide, dominoes, it's dominoes. It's like domin- there's a cause and effect relationship. There's causation. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that kind of relationship going on with, the, with, you just can't lay it down on Goff. Well, why isn't Goff developing? You don't think he is? I see lots of developing in Goff. But me too. It, it's you can't always see it when the bad things that come with it are there. It's like we were talking about Havistein. Havistein, he could have made he could have had a perfect game against Tampa. I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna remember him blowing up and getting getting golf hit. That's what I remember. And that's what most fans remember. But if you go back and watch the film like you were saying, you're gonna find more. And you'll be able to say realistically that Havistein have a bad game that day? Yes. Period. Um what else is going on? So I think it's I think it's best to end it with that and just saying, listen, you know, the rule of thumb, it's never just one guy. Yep. Never just one guy. All right, folks, it is time for us to go. We're looking for sponsors. We always need a little bit of help to keep the lights on. You know, me, I, I podcast from a shed, the backyard with an outhouse at this point. I got you know, I'm running around poor. And it's very sad. But nonetheless, if you want to sponsor us, you can send us an email at ramstop1945 at gmail.com or you can send us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail. We'll get right back to you. We have a media kit that's fully updated with nice numbers for you, letting you know what, who we serve. Our actual podcast numbers are from month to month. And uh, we'll get back in touch with you. Also, we are part of the Big Heads Podcast Network. Have a look. It's a promo for one of our, our fellow podcasts. Hello out there to be man, woman, and child. This is the B-Team. I'm Nathan Eberhardt. And I'm Michael Hanna. And together we host the UCLA B-Team podcast, your go-to audio source online for news, analysis, opinion, and sometimes even jokes about UCLA Bruins sports. We're proud to be members of the Big Heads Media Network, and you can find our newest episodes every week at bigheadsmedia.com, or you can subscribe via iTunes, Google, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at UCLA B-Team, and hit us up with questions or comments. We love to interact with our listeners. So for a smart, level-headed, if sometimes it Reverend, unofficial. We cannot stress this enough. Unofficial. Take on the UCLA Bruins. Come join the B team. All right. It is time for us to get out of here. Tommy, dare I ask any closing thoughts? Just pray for me that I don't have to walk, take the walk of shame on Sunday, please. For mom and dad? Not certain enough for, uh, for, not for dad, but for mom and brother? No, from all of the 49er fans that's going to come to the game, dude, there's going to be thousands and thousands. And let me tell you, all they do is talk trash no matter what position they're in. We won the championship, NFC West. We played them in week 17 two years ago. I'm on the field, and they're all pregame surrounding the railing, holding their flags up like they like they just won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I was there, and we were like, we, yeah, we were mm-hmm. like, like division. I was just, I just kept holding up my towel and just going, you know, putting my finger on my mouth, like shh. So my point is, if they're talking trash when their team stinks and they're in last place, and we won the division, how bad do you think it's going to be on Sunday? It'll be rough, man. It's going to be rough. I, Pray I, I, for we me. We were bro. laughing at. We were laughing at, we're, as we're leaving the stadium. All these four nine fans talking. You know, we. We really beat you guys twice because they believe they won the first game up, up in San Francisco. We really beat you guys twice. You guys are 49ers, Super Bowl bound next year. Of course, they went 4-12 and the next year. That's neither here nor there. <laughs> but um, 
<laughs> I'm just saying. They're the worst, man. They are you know, the worst. I, I have to Delusional. I'll say, I'll admit, I've, I've come across a lot of fans over the years in terms of, now I'm not talking the entire base. I'm not going to debase, uh, you know, in terms of individuals. But the general 49er fans that I've met, man, it's generally been bad, man. It's generally been like, okay, you need to, you need to really get realistic here. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's pretty rough. All right, folks, all that in mind. Enjoy the game. Hopefully we can come back on Sunday night for our post game and uh, have a, a nice performance to talk about, a fun game to talk about. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at TalkRams, on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash Rams Talk. You can find me on Twitter at DC Paul. You can find Tommy at RamTommy in LA. Don't forget some Apple Music, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those places. Now for Tommy and the entire Rams Talk staff, this is Derek C. Paul saying, we're out of here. We'll see you this weekend. There's an underdog story happening today in America, one that couldn't have been scripted. Small businesses are fighting to make a big comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities, feeding those in need, yet asking for little in return. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? But they still need our support now more than ever. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and give back to the small business that unites us all. Shop, share, and donate today at smallunites.org. Let's make Vision Zero a reality in D.C. Almost half of D.C.'s traffic fatalities come from impaired driving. These deaths are 100% preventable. Don't let impaired driving ruin your holiday. Always have a plan for a sober ride. Never drive impaired. D.C. police are arresting drunk and drugged drivers. Drive sober or get pulled over. A message from the District Department of Transportation and Metropolitan Police Department. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.